on the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute that millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Now, guys, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by head professional at Spa Golf Club, Simon Thornton. Simon, how are you? It's been a a year, a year of changes, a 15, 15, 18 months of uh, changes for you. You've, you've moved closer to home. Yeah, big changes for me now. I've obviously moved from uh, Tulfaris Hotel and Golf Resort to um, Spa Golf Club, which is um, a pretty standard uh, golf course and uh, members club about 25 minutes from Newcastle, where I live. Um, so big changes, really. The daily commute's got a lot shorter, obviously. Um, uh, but so it's, it, I see this place as a project. We can we can move forward. A bit of a hidden gem. It's a fantastic golf course, um, a Parkland golf course, which unfortunately with the summer we've had has been pretty, pretty wet. But uh, we can uh, we can certainly aim to in, improve um, a lot of different aspects in the golf course and hopefully get on the map ASAP. Yeah. I'm going to deviate for a quick second because you use the term there, hidden gem. And on the podcast last week, we had Kevin Markham on and we were listing a bunch of golf courses that we would have categorized as hidden gems and Spa came up in on that list. What is it about Spa Golf Club that is that is so special and probably underrated? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a tree-lined golf course. It's in the, it's in the hills just, um, like I said, 15, 20 minutes from from the Mon Mountains and from Newcastle. Um the greens are fantastic. First class greens is one thing that struck me during the summer months here. The greens are very, very good. Um, some of the purest you'll play on on all year. Um, and it it's a golf course. I like a golf course that you hit every club in the bag. There's a drivable par four. There's a couple of there's a par five that you're not reaching. You know, there's a bit of everything. The short par fours, tight ones, something some ones where you can open your shoulders. You have a whole mixture of par threes as well. Um, and some really outstanding golf holes. I mean, um, the likes of eleventh hole um, is is a fantastic golf hole here. Um, along with um, the, the par threes are really interesting, um, and it's just a really really pleasant golf course to play. Um, it's not too hard of a walk, um, and, uh, and and like I said at the beginning, the greens are are the standout feature on the golf course. So uh, you were saying there you were with Tufaris Resort for a while. You moved then to Spa. Was that just a case of the commute from? Because you didn't move down to toward Wicklow at all. You were you stayed and your family were all up in Newcastle. Yeah, I stayed in Newcastle. I um I wasn't in Tulfaris every day now, so I could I could travel up and down and and, and stay in the hotel whenever I was working there. Do a couple of days together, um. But I always fancied getting stuck into something closer to home. Um, and to be fair, um, shall we say have a have a. I'm going to say a normal nine to five. It's not nine to five. It's more like five to nine in the summer, but <laughs> um, certainly something that I can call a standard regular job where it's seven days a week, obviously six days a week or, or whatever it is. So to, to move here back in the industry as well from where I started 20 odd years ago, doing my training to come back into the PGA um, from the plane side of things is, is uh is it's a good challenge for me now. So uh become the head pro here, um, teaching facilities, 
and trying to build on on visitor green fees etc and societies as well as, as membership as well so yeah it's a lot of different aspects to the job which uh which i'm looking forward to getting stuck into you called it a project earlier on what's what's kind of on the books for for the years ahead yeah, well, we'd like to obviously we're um we'd like to make some changes to the, to the golf course, not drastic changes, but small designs on on each changes on each hole, um, adding the odd bunker here or there, taking trees out here or there, and improving drainage and things. So, when I see it as a project, it's more of to get should we say the hidden gem, so we can get away from being a hidden gem and just be a gem. <laughs> um, if we can do that as a golf course and as a club, then we can increase member numbers. Um, increase green fee rates etc and societies and things so um, they all sort of intertwine amongst each other um, but looking forward to getting stuck in like I said yeah yeah and how, how is this year obviously tough tough season a lot of rain Parkland mm. golf course probably like most golf courses around the country struggled a little bit how, how was it from your side yeah we struggled a bit to be honest now like everywhere did I don't think we got the worst of it um, there's a lot of golf courses um we don't have anything, you know, a, a river running next to us that had flooded its banks or anything like that. So we were fortunate in that respect. Um, and we did stay open as, as, as much as we can. Listen, whenever, when a golf course has had so much rain as we've had, then everybody who plays it know it's going to be wet anyway. So are you going to do any more damage when it's really wet? And if there's only, you know, a handful of people playing each day, then probably not. So um, uh, I think the main restraint for us really was the the fact that we we couldn't have buggies out because of of how wet it was, which mm. a lot of people wear buggies. But I think other golf courses are in the same boat. Um, so yeah, it's just been a. Should we just say let's put a line under this year and move straight on to next year, will we? Very nice. Yeah, looking forward to twenty twenty four. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to talk. Your career is one that's that's always fascinated me. You started off doing a PGA, as you said, twenty or so years ago. How did you first get into golf and, and where did you do your, your PGA? Yeah, well, I actually got into golf by default, really. So I didn't quite get the grades. Well, not didn't quite. I didn't get the grades I wanted at A-level to do sports science, full stop. So um, golf and leisure management was the only course, really, that I could get into that, that, that fitted, suited my eye, thinking I could move and do an extra year and do either either the leisure management side of things or even move on to some sort of sports science. Um, and then just got interested in the golf, really, played it at, at the university. And we had to do a work placement. So I wrote the top 20 golf courses in the world and Royal County Down was the highest rank that said, we have a position for you if you'd like to come and try it. So, um, Nice and local as well. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I wrote to Augusta, Pine Valley, Australia, all these different ones. So, yeah, so um, I hopped on a plane and came over and, and the rest is history. As they say, I did the whole summer and finished, went back and finished university, came back again. And then uh, at the end of my second summer, one of the assistants in, in Royal County Down left and uh, Kevin Whitson, who's the head pro there at the moment, uh, he was there oh, maybe 10 years or so before I was. And he said, Simon, do you want to work at your game? And get your handicap down and try and do your PGA qualification. So I made a quick phone call home and said, I'm not coming home. And that, that was it. So that probably was 1998, 99 now. And so the, had you played any golf before that or much golf before that? Cause you're talking about getting your handicap down for your PGA. Yeah, not really. No. I was a member of a golf club, but I didn't really play. I only started to play seriously when I was at university. Um, so I would have practiced during the summer and things um, during that two, maybe two summers, but that was all. 
I was a member of a local nine-hole golf course back in England, and um, my handicap was 11 when I came over here and came down to seven, and then I managed, I remember I managed to shoot 67 in the Ulster Youth in Beaver Park, which managed to get me cut down to 3.8, I think it was. Oh, at that time, we had to be four or less to do your training. So 3.8 was in, in there, so I didn't play anything else, and that was it. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had to work on my game to get it down to that level. Um, but I came down pretty quickly because I, I picked generally picked up all sports pretty quickly as a kid and things, so it was only a matter of time before I could get down to that. Um, and I managed to do that in the second summer being over here in Newcastle. And so what was learning your trade in Royal County Down like? Oh, wow. I mean, where else would you want to do it, to be <laughs> yeah. fair? Um, listen, it was, as as is right now, the premium golf course, one of the premium golf courses in the world. Um, quite slightly removed, really, from what I'm doing now. And, and you know, your, your standard golf club head professional role, because obviously it's a resort golf course. Um, but t the training we got um, under Kevin was fantastic. It really was. It was probably the best training we could have got, certainly over here in Ireland. Uh, when we've all come through the system, we're very fortunate about that. Um, you learned everything under the sun about the business side of things, but you also had plenty of time and scope to play and teach as well. So you really did get a rounded qualification, um, or should I say a rounded um, experience, not just the qualification. Um, which stood obviously this Gary McNeil went to Port Rush, Neil Manship obviously Shames coach and things. So uh, pretty good people came through the Kevin system as such before before I did. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a very special place. Even now going back, I live in Newcastle and think how fortunate I was every time I go on the golf course and drive in the gates. It's it's a pretty special place. Do you get to play there often now these days? Not as much now. No, my son has joined the Morn Golf Club there. He's, he's becoming. Uh, He's becoming what what I call a golf pervert as well. So he's <laughs> he's on the road to uh, to wherever he wants to take his game. So he's down to nine handicap now. So I'll play a bit with him, um, and uh, but I haven't played much uh, certainly this year. There now, no. And this is your son who was with you at the PGA Championship this year. That's right. Yeah, Ryan. He uh, he's just he, he's hardy. That that was a tough week. Yeah, that was a that was a week. He was caddying all right. He was uh, he was pretty good that week. I have to I have to be said he was. Yeah, yeah, he kept me and the and the clubs as dry as possible, and and I loved it. He just being around there it was probably his first competition, proper competition that he was caddying in. Um, yeah, and I think that might have got him hooked on the on the game really. So uh, he's played every day in the summer, and he's got his handicap down, and who knows where he'll go. Fair play because we, I was with I was with you that week as well, and mm -hmm. it was there were some horrendous weather conditions, and if oh. if that week got him hooked, he must love golf. Oh, it was right on the edge that week, I have to say. Now, and I think it was last year or the year prior that we got a couple of monsoon showers and we had to be called off. But this year was just a constant barrage of everything being thrown at you. Um, it was virgin and playable, unplayable, playable, unplayable all the time, really. But, and, and what a golf course to be in that position as well. Where next stop, New York. It's just, uh, yeah, it's that's in itself a special place as well. But in that weather... The golf course is not where you want to be. No, not too much. Not too much. No. So you did your you did your PGA. What was the route then? Like, did the idea of competing always appeal to you when you were doing your PGA in in Royal County Down? Or well, I, not really at the beginning. I suppose I'd always wanted to. Um, I've always wanted to. As my mother always said, you always wanted to teach sport. And I said, no, no, no. I want to do it. I want to 
I don't want to teach football. I want to play football. I don't want to teach golf. I want to play golf. So when I got to a certain level um, and I had that chance, then it was always in the back of my mind, right? Okay, I'm I'm, go I'm in this to play. I'm not in this to, as you want a better phrase, sell Mars bars or shirts or whatever it is. I wanted to play golf. So um, I think probably 2002, I had I went down to Charles Land and played in the Irish assistance with Colin McElderry and was fortunate enough to win that. Um, and I do think that that was the start of it for me in saying, right, you can, you put the effort in, you can, you can play this game for a living. Um, and, and it's always something I wanted to do was to do sport, play it, at whatever sport it was. It was the playing side of things that really interested me. Um, and golf was just a, another sport that I could pick up and do. To be fair, I didn't have a, there's not a, Golf isn't in the family really or anything like that. We don't, you know, so um, to pick up golf was a bit left field for us. Didn't play it at school or anything like that. Um, so once I finished 2002, I thought, yeah, I'll, uh, it's always in the back of my mind that I was going to play rather than be a club pro. Did you love golf or was golf a, a career that you were good at? Uh, golf was a career, I think. Certainly at that time. I've probably grown to love it because you do once you get to a certain level. I, I just found whenever I looking back now, I just think, yeah, you know, I ticked a few boxes and did okay and and love competing. I love competing, whatever it is. And the fact that it's golf, it's just another sport to me, but I can compete at, at, at that level and I love competing against against myself, really. Um, and I think that's how I was able to move through the tours so quickly and get from the region through to through to the uh, European tours it was then was that I was always competing against myself not against other people and I knew if I kept playing and practicing I could get much better much quicker because I was I hadn't played as a kid so I hadn't reached those levels really early in life so I knew there was lots of uh, improvement to be made um so what do I love golf probably not to be honest but I love competing and golf happened to be not, I didn't choose it, but the sport that, that I fell into. Um, yeah. What was your, what was your first taste of, of tour life then? Cause you were, you competed most consistently kind of between 2010 and 2014 across what was European tour. Yeah. But then between let's fill in the blanks and between that 2002 and, and, and 2010. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I sort of had a steady progression. Um, 2004 and five, I played in the region because I knew I was nowhere good enough to play at any other level. Um, but I played full time and, and decided in 2004 that I was going to play full time. Um, and I had a conversation with my fiance at the time and my wife, Kira, and 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 she just said, "Look, if you're going to do it, do it properly. I, I have no problem. I'll back you, and and you know, and we'll we'll go on the journey together as you like." Um, had a quick conversation with Kevin as well and said, look, I'm going to play full time. And, and, and he was the same. If you're going to do it, you may as well do it right. So 2004, I just, I didn't go and do any warm weather training or anything. I just practiced every day, six days a week, six hours a day, rain, hail, snow, whatever. I just practiced. Um, and I knew, and I enjoyed that because I loved playing the sport. Um, so 2006 and seven, I played in the region. 2008, I decided I was going to play a Euro Pro Tour. Um, made the move from 2008 to 2009. I managed to get on the Challenge Tour. Played 2009 on the Challenge Tour and then managed to move straight from Challenge Tour to, to Main Tour in 2010. So 
steady progression each year. And I think that was probably the basis of, uh, of, of moving, well, moving so quickly through the tours was really good. If you get stagnant on one tour for too long, I don't think it helps certainly the progression and your game. So then that's that's fascinating because we I had we did a podcast with Ron Malarney who won the Alps or, or Order of Merit and he earned his challenge tour card. He was on the on that tour for one season. He said pretty much the same thing. He's like it was great to be there, but the whole point of the tour is to make your way through it and make your way onto it. Um, how how tough is it to to look at a tour like that and go, okay, I have to be here for, I need to be here for a year and move on because that's where I want to be. I don't want to be here for two, three years. Yeah, I mean, I, I have heard, and, and it happens all the time when, when people are interviewed by journalists and things and guys on, on the, shall we say, the Alps Tour or the Challenge Tour or Euro Pro Tour back then. Um, yeah, you know, they might reply something along the lines of, yeah, it was a good week. I finished third. I played nicely, et cetera, et cetera. When you actually break that down, you finished third on a fourth or fifth level tour. or You know what I mean? Is that a good result? No, it's not. You need to be winning and cleaning up on those tours. You need to push yourself each week. You need to move forward as quickly as you can through the tours. Um, and it's not to say they're not good golfers, but, you know, if you get to a level and play on the Alps tour, or Euro Pro back then, and you're finishing sixth and seventh, and you're thinking it's you're having a good week, then you've the wrong mentality straight away. You know you you need to be pushing yourself each each time, um, and each time you tee it up, you've got to be expecting to win at that level. Um, it's like all sports; there are different levels and there's fine margins. I know that, but if you've the wrong attitude, you're not going to move through the tours quickly or at all for a start, you know. So if you get to Alps Tour, even unchallenged tour, if you get there and you're happy with finishing such and such, you've got to always want more and get onto the main tour. So that's the reason why we all play the game professionally to try and get to the best level. So how, how big was the step up then to from Challenge Tour to European Tour as it was at the time? Yeah, I think um I think a part of my downfall was that I did go through the tours so quickly as well, as I've just said that, yeah, that's what you want to aim to do. But maybe for myself who came to the sport so late, I didn't, didn't have enough time to get a, a fundamental base of who I am in the game, as in not a reputation, but who I am golf wise to then get on and feel comfortable on the main tour. I certainly know when I got to the main tour, it was a bit like, wow, this is a big circus. And looking back now, I can certainly say I did a lot of things incorrectly and a lot of things wrong. Um, I should have done more of what I did beforehand and less of what everybody else was doing. So I was a bit of a sheep when I got to the main tour. I just followed, I practiced when they practiced, I finished when everybody finished. Whereas coming up through the tours, I was practicing till dark. You know, going to bed, having a bite to eat and going to bed and getting the next day and playing 18 holes and then practicing till dark again. Came to the European Tour and, I, and if I had a tea time at 7 o'clock on Thursday, I was finishing at 3 because that's what everybody else did. You know what I mean? So mm. um, uh, as much as I do think getting to the top quickly as such every year, then it was certainly part of the downfall, I think, that why I didn't stay there. Because you played so what, in 2010, well, you'd write and say in 2010 is your first full year on, on tour then, played 22 events, nine cuts made. After that then, like, what was, what was that season like if you were to give it a grade? Because the following year you played, what, seven tournaments. 
So lost your lost your card that year. Yeah, it was um, certainly a steep learning curve. It also told me that um, I could compete. I think I had a, had a chance of almost winning in uh, Germany. I think that that year was it. I think I finished ninth there, but I was in the last group on the on the Sunday. I think um, from memory. So it was. Listen, to be able to play in a European Tour event and and make a cut, you must be a half decent player. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So to to make half the cuts, was it a good year? It's probably B or C. My father passed away in two thousand ten before the season had started, which hit me hard. Which which wasn't ideal. Um. So he uh he never saw me play on the tour as such. So it was it was difficult that first year. I'll be honest. Um. Maybe came at the wrong time, but. It certainly, um, certainly made me realize, right? Okay, you should belong here, and you should you should aim to be here permanently. Um, two thousand eleven, obviously, I didn't keep my card in two thousand and ten. In two thousand eleven, I decided I played a mixture of the Challenge Tour and the Main Tour, and I probably played my best golf that year. I played quite well in the Tour events, and I played quite well in the Challenge Tour events. Um, and got my card back at Grand Final at the end of two thousand eleven. Uh, so what what then do you learn then from the 2010 season going forward into 2011 when you, when you are playing your your best golf was it obviously you you've, you're still processing the the loss of your father that year um but does anything within your golf game change or or, or what was it that you then do play the best golf of your, of your career yeah um I, do, I didn't change. I'm not very. I'm not one for changing equipment much at all. Um, I always joked that the new driver was supposed to hit it another ten or fifteen yards, but it never happened really in reality. Um, that's all the marketing. Um, but um, confidence, self belief, you know, being a bit more relaxed, knowing that you belong there now, and um, obviously knowing a few more people as well. You do get comfortable with more you know people. Yeah. Um, going on the first. But that 2010, I didn't know anybody at all. Um, Damien McGrain was one of the first to text me when I got my card, and I'd known him only very slightly, really, through the region. But he texted and said, "If you need any help, give me a shout. Let me know." And and he sort of stayed me through. Him and Peter Laurie stayed me through 2010, uh, which was great to have somebody that you could that you could get to know and become a friend with. Um, so 2011, I did feel far more almost belonging, almost. That I should be there as opposed to a new face and who's that sort of thing. Sure. Um. So yeah, it's more self confidence, self belief for two thousand and eleven. You mentioned there obviously the likes of Damien McGrain, who you obviously now know and compete with regularly on the PGA circuit, but also Peter Larry, two two good Irish guys there. Was was there a decent cohort of, of Irish players on tour? And, and once you did get settled in from twenty eleven onwards. Did you kind of look after each other? Because between the three of you, you know, you've all you've all won on tour. You've all done very well. Had very very good careers. Did you guys stick together much? Yeah, well, for a start, they had far better careers than I did. I know that. Um, uh, but certainly from two thousand and ten onwards, Damien and Peter were the, were the, were the, certainly the two that um, I wouldn't say took me under their wing, but certainly helped me and were there. And I travelled with them, and they were. Um, a great font of knowledge for me to feed off. Um, but I, I'll be honest, I suppose coming from England and coming over here, um, over to Ireland, living in the north of Ireland, I was a bit of a, 
an in-betweener in all respects for everybody, you know. So I, I, um, I generally I'm keep myself to myself when I'm competing. Like I said, it's I'm there, I'm competing, I'm there to win, I'm there to play as best I can. And the distractions, I tried to keep at a minimum, so I didn't really socialise as much as maybe a lot of the other guys did. And I don't mean socialise as in going for a night on the drink or anything. Yeah. I just mean for dinner and things like that. I was quite happy with my own company, having room service or going somewhere by myself or having a wee walk and an ice cream by myself and then going back to the room. I was quite happy with that. So um, although I did, uh, to a certain extent, probably not as much as a lot of the other guys did. Um, but that's just individuals, you know. Yeah, your your career then kind of continued, and you got more comfortable on on tour for sure. You were on main tour for the next three years. I think probably say to say the the European tour highlight is with the win in twenty thirteen. You talked to that week, and and even it the leading up to to that tournament. Um, like how were you? How and where was the game? Yeah, well. Bit out of the blue, I suppose, from 2011, getting my card in 2011 um, and then losing it again. And then I managed to, um, I wasn't actually supposed to be in Santa Maria that week. I was down the list as a reserve um, and got a phone call. I remember, I remember having a, probably one of many, I don't know, one of many arguments with my wife and we weren't really talking. And I got a phone call from the tour and they said, Simon, you're in Santa Mer this week. Are you going? And I said, yeah, no problem. And I remember turning around and saying, I'm away to France. See you later. Pack <laughs> my bags and away I went to France. Um, cut a long story short. Uh, seven over after 27 holes. Not looking like I'm going to make the cut. And I'm saying to myself, do I change my flights? Do I stay and go on the drink? Do I stay and practice? Or do I go home and face the music? And then I ended up shooting five under in the back nine and made the cut by a shot. Shot six under um, on the Saturday to go from practically last to first and then ended up winning in a playoff. So um, massive changes from Friday afternoon through to Sunday afternoon. Um, yeah, what a, it was a special week for me. Now, I never thought, let's be honest, I'm... Five years ago, I was a almost a seven handicapper sort of thing, and then I ended up winning on the main tour and the European tour. Um, something that I never thought I would, and never dreamed of, because I didn't play as a kid, you know. So, um, pretty special week for me. A few things sort of fell in place as well that week. I mean, I suppose I went with no expectations. When looking back, you want to play, you want to play your golf with no expectations. You just want to go out. It's not freewheeling, but it's caring about every shot, but it's hoping. And just doing your best on every shot rather than looking for an outcome all the time. Um, I I totally changed and revamped my putting stroke. So I, up until then, I've been a good putter, but I'd, I I uh, left everything short. I couldn't get the ball to the hole at all. It was just a mental block more than anything, I think. So I changed from having a, a mallet putter and a two-thumb grip to left below right and a blade putter and top spinning and, and try and get the ball to the hole. And it was purely experimental. Um, bit by bit, the ball kept dropping into the hole. And, and you know, so even that on the Saturday and Sunday, I was still freewheeling on the greens. I was just picking a line and hitting it. And if it went in, great. And if it didn't, well, it's not supposed to do because it's all new to me at the moment. So there was no, uh, you know, that expectation and that playing with the freedom that, it's okay to miss this because it's new and you know it's for the future you're building a putting stroke to get better so uh 
Uh, so I was pretty nervous, I have to say. I had about a one and a half foot around the 18th to win in the playoff, and I was pretty nervous over it and thinking, I'm not quite sure whether this ball is going to come off straight or not, but we'll hope and hope it goes in. So, um, yeah, pretty cool feeling. So, you're obviously talking about how you're joking with your wife or joking that you and your wife were having an argument when you got the, the call. Mm-hmm. And obviously, tour life is, is tough and it takes a toll on every aspect of it, but how quickly that can all change with a win what do you you don't come home and face the music obviously you come home to a very different uh response (laughs) i imagine on on the sunday evening (laughs) were you at that point so like let's go back to the the thursday just before you get the call to go over was the idea or were thoughts of leaving the tour coming up at that point or was this i still really want to do this i still really want to compete that's that's all i want to do is i want to do sport yeah, no, well, listen, I don't know what everybody else is. I didn't have huge sponsors or anything like that. So everything, you know, I, everything I owned was plowing back into myself all the time. Um, so to, for having one year, one and a half, if you like, years on tour, you're not financially stable by any means even now, you know what I mean? So, and if you're spending that much each week, it only lasts forever. It only lasts so long. So, yeah, whether the actual thought of playing golf for a living, um, you know, or not playing golf for a living came about. I'm not, I, I honestly can't remember, but certainly now looking back at it, I wouldn't have lasted much longer than the end of the season, the end of the next season, if it hadn't, you know, if I hadn't have won. Um, it, uh, you know, there's a lot of playoffs when you're at that financial level, I think, as well. Do you want to be away? You've got a family at home, a wife and I, you know, we had two young kids at that stage or one young kid in 2013 would have had them both obviously you know do you want to be away do you want to be at home you know there was and that's down to everybody's individual circumstances i know for me i wouldn't wanted to be away unless it was financially viable and worth the worth the time away from home um 30 odd weeks away is a long time tuesday till sunday you know for the um so to to have that sitting there behind you, you know, that mental thought as well is tough to be able to go and play golf and say, is this the right, am I doing the right thing? You know, you've got to be mentally, really mentally strong in all departments to to make it work. So then when you get the win, I guess financially it starts to make a lot more sense. What what, what do the next few weeks and next, next season look like then for you? Obviously 2014 was probably your last full full season on, on tour. You played in 2015, played about eight or so events on, in 2015. Mm-hmm. But, but how, how much changes for you after you become a yeah? Well, I mean, I winner? this is a bit that sort of grapes on me, and it's a sort of a uh, sort of a regret in a way is that I didn't put the work in when I was on tour that I did beforehand, and it's and it's so I won in two thousand and thirteen. I remember taking the next week off. I could have played in Germany. I had a challenge to a card at that time, and I could have played in Germany, but I didn't want to. I wanted to enjoy, and I knew that if I went, I'd still be, you know, enjoying the previous week. Um, so I just took the week at home to have a few drinks and celebrate. And then the following week after that was the Irish Open. I think I finished, uh, I think I had a decent finish in that um, in that week as well. So that sort of calmed me down to say, right, okay, yes, you can play golf now and you can go and sort of uh, and enjoy yourself, but, but put the effort in. I just wish that when I had been on tour, I'd have put the effort in that I did beforehand. Um, it fell in 2014. Didn't really do anything. I had a full card. Didn't do anything really, to be fair. 
um in 2015 like you say i started to get problems with my feet then 15 and 16 had operation in 2017 and it all coincided with each other um injuries to my feet ended up having the operation a loss of form and not playing great spiraling out not really putting the work in perhaps you know at the time you think you are but looking back i don't think i did and not wanting to be there the kids growing up at home and, and family life at home so add those three things together for me it was a pretty easy decision to say right i've, I've had enough i don't want to go through it anymore um i don't want to go through the pain of being away and playing rubbish being away and losing money being away and not being a father or a, or a husband or anything you know so um, I made that it was a hard decision, but an easy one in the same context that I had those three reasons for it. I probably couldn't play as good a golf that I wanted to to be able to stay on tour again. So what was the the foot injury? Yeah, so I had Martin's neuromas, so there are the growths in between your your uh, nervous system and your uh, and your toes in between your toes. So every time I pretty much every time I put my foot on the floor, I would have got a pain or I might not have got a pain. Top of the backswing, downswing, could have come at any stage. So um, at its worst, I was taking my shoes and socks off and walking down the fairway and sticking them on and hitting the shot and taking them off. And, you know, that's during the Irish Championship a few times I've did that. Um, yeah, I couldn't. If I took my shoes and socks off then, I could have probably walked maybe 30 or 40 yards and that was about it. It was it was sore, I have to say, now on, you know, on a, on a hard surface. Um so I had the operation, had these two two uh, growths out. And listen, my feet are not going to be perfect now, but at least I can play golf and, and function properly. But uh, that made a huge impact on my golf because I, I knew I would struggle to get back to any sort of a decent level really after that. Mm. So then when you, you did step away from, from European Tour and from Main Tour and competing regularly, you did have your PGA as, as we'll call it a, a backup for lack of a better phrase, but you did have mm -hmm. the qualification there behind you. Did you go straight back into, into PGA and, and that life? Um, well, I did say that I'm going to take 18 months off completely. And I pretty much did, to be honest, I played golf in the region in the summer and, and did very, very little else, to be honest. I, really did take time out to take the kids to school and go swimming with them afterwards and you know do all that sort of stuff that i've missed for so long mm. um and then they uh i, I played in a program with pat barrett who was uh, i think he's in lucan now he was in tulfaris at the time and we got along and and tulfaris were looking for for a bit more marketing and stuff and, and that's how i fell in with tulfaris really excuse me in 2000 i think that was 2017 18 i think and uh Met the met the owners of Tulfaris, Jim Murphy, and the, the Prem Group, and it, my relationship with them was practically done on a handshake, and 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 on one of their proams, I agreed to do stuff for them, and they agreed to pay me, so it was it was a great relationship. Um, but yeah, I did take almost two years off, and just said right, I needed to mentally get myself back into the right place, physically as well after the operation, um, and I need to spend time at home as well. It uh, so yeah, back into the PGA um and haven't looked back since i've been i've thoroughly enjoyed every minute since how do you find that transition from obviously being on on the road 30 odd weeks of the year to to much much closer to home uh when you're working in tough hours but just being in ireland and just being with your family yeah well i suppose 2015 one of if as much wasn't the best result but certainly the best week was me playing in the irish opening royal county down living in newcastle home golf course 
32 of those a year, I might have decided to play to a full-time golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously that only happens once in a blue moon. But uh, so, yeah, it was a difficult because, listen, you're a professional athlete. You're playing golf for a sport for a living. You're competing at the elite level with only 99.9% .9 of golfers can dream of. And, and you're doing that day in, day out, week in, week out. It's, um, and, and you know how hard you've worked to get there. Um, like I say, it was a difficult decision, but it was an easy decision. But looking back, you know, whenever for the mentality that I have, whatever sport I took up, I wanted to do it for a living. That, and that was period. And I ended up doing doing the golf, but it started late, but doing the golf. And, and I just hope and, that a lot of the other guys understand what it means to get to that level and, and, and to, to um, what's the word? To respect what it means and to 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 be proud of the achievement of getting there as well you know it's not we all play golf and there's a lot of people that love the sport a hell of a lot daily more than i do and have no chance of getting there whatsoever you know so um it's something that uh is pretty cool ex uh, experience to do here you've had a very successful pga career you also you won on europe on european tour a successful professional career have you had many young guys who are looking to turn in professional come to you for advice or guys who are on challenge tour? Because I guess I would look at it from my own perspective, from when I set up my own company, I spoke to people in similar industries to me for advice and what to do. Mm -hmm. Did many people ever come to you or have many people or do many people currently come to you for advice or talk to you about, you know, what, what they can do to, to work on between between tournaments no never <laughs> no for uh no i mean i've given bits of advice to, to anybody that has um a few guys in the region just um richie o'donovan and stuff and, and and i've spoken um to a couple of the guys in the region about how they can improve their games and things but certainly not to the get any of the guys that are trying to make it on the on the elite level on the dp world tour or anything um, now they may have done to other pros and I hope they have and listen the likes of Shane and, and these boys and, and Padraig and those boys are would probably be dying to help them out if they came to them and asked them you know um, I'll be a little bit different I, I classify myself as getting there but had didn't make it do you know what I mean so um, for them to come to me it's, it's, and if they came to me I'd spend as long as they needed you know giving them advice and the do's and the don'ts and 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 how they can improve themselves to get to where they need to get to. But no, I, to cut a long story short, no, they haven't. Um, I definitely think guys should do. Um, playing golf to a good level, being a plus two, three, four, five, six handicapper is only a small part of making it on the main tour. It's a completely different game being a plus five handicapper than it is to to uh, paying for a mortgage and dealing with managers and clients and sponsors and all that sort of stuff so it's uh there's a lot to take in other than the golf when you get there and i don't know whether a lot of guys realize that they see the bright lights and they see the private jets and they see this and they think they're going to fall into it and it's it's not like that remotely at all yeah because i think we we both saw that recently enough there was about six or so irish players in the final stage of dp world tour q school not a single irish golfer earned their full tour card now obviously a few of those guys are, are currently over in australia playing in a few events and they all have some kind of status but 
it brings in a question and a few people have, have talked about their lack of support for some players as they turn professional but as they leave like kind of the elite amateur side should there be more guys looking at going down like the the pga as a viable route to turning professional like following the road you did or 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 why, why do you think it is that those guys i guess didn't qualify a couple of questions yeah I, suppose that's, yeah I suppose that's a couple of questions there should should they have a backup plan before you go somewhere People say there's always a plan B. I suppose if if somebody tries and doesn't make it after ten years, they could always do the PGA training then. You know, yes, they'd be a, a bit more of a name to themselves, they'd be a bit more mature, etc. Should they do it before they play? For me, it was um, a way um, I never thought. Obviously, when I started the PGA training, that I would be playing for a living. Um, it grew on me as I went through it. I do think a lot of the guys coming through the amateur scene now they are getting to a level very quickly when they're 16 17 18 have been really good golfers are they planning to be a professional or are they planning to be a good golfer do they really give it a go do they half-heartedly give it a go i mean i'm not i i don't want to mention and i'm not mentioning any names but i've seen a few people now playing on tour as such with their track man walking around practice grounds, hitting balls and faffing and fuffing and having all the equipment and the, you know, somebody, they all the, what I call hangers on and the clingers on, the entourage behind them, not producing the goods when it comes to the numbers at the end of the week. Um, maybe it's a little bit old fashioned. I don't know, but um, I think some, I think a few of the lads could probably learn a lot from having sitting down with the speaker with the likes of either myself or, or Peter or Damien McGrain. You know, they're going to say it black and white. This is what you need to do. You know, um, do they really want to be a pro? Do they know what the sacrifices are? You know, they, yes, track man's great. Pitching up and playing on tour is great. But at the end of the day, you've got to turn that 71 into a 69. You've got to turn the 73 into a 71, you know, when you're playing great, 65, 64, et cetera. Um, is even the amateur scene set up for professional golf or is it just set up for good amateur golf? You know, that's another question there to probably that uh, for discussion. Um, there's lots of guys in that boat and there was lots of guys that had a chance of getting their tour card. Um, hopefully it'll change, you know, hopefully somebody... Um, with higher authority than me will grab a hold of things and maybe say right okay let's get everybody together and put all our ideas on a board and let's see how we can produce like Sweden the Scandinavian have and France have this just a conveyor belt of top, mm -hmm. top you know top top professionals we seem to provide a lot of um, good amateur golfers but why aren't we providing professional golfers you know yeah, there seems to be a situation at the moment where we do have, we've got a couple of superstars in 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 Rory and in Shane and Porrick and um, even more most recently like Seamus Power and the likes of those guys doing very well. But I'd say for every Tom McKibben that we're producing, there are eight to ten guys who are you know struggling, and it's, yeah. it's fair to say that they are struggling. Um, the PGA circuit is 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 an very interesting aspect of the, of the golfing career that i find you've obviously won pga uh, three pga championships now from the competitive side how is the that pga circuit the pga circuit is it is it's very strong in depth now i have to say you look at the name self demi mcgrain 
Victor winners, you know, uh, Colin Moriarty, David Higgins, Michael McGeady, Richard Kilpatrick, you know, they're top, top guys that have played Challenge Tour, won on Challenge Tour, um, won on Main Tour. So the, the strength and depth is stronger than it's ever been in the PGA circuit. You look at the numbers, the winning events, you know, two and three under is not cutting it, I'm afraid. You know, you've got to shoot four, five, six, seven and, and more. Um, oh, obviously barring Bell Mullet, but for their <laughs> championship. <laughs> but generally speaking, the quality and depth is, is fantastic. And uh, and listen, if someone is going to come up, and as Damien, Damien said, I keep, re keep referring to Damien, but he hits the nail on the head most times than not. If You know, if you can't beat the likes of myself and Damien on a Sunday morning or whatever, in, in wherever it may be, with bad weather, then you're not going to cut it against the top guys. So, and it, it, it should be, and it could be a really good learning curve and a barometer of where their game is by playing in the region. Um, yes, it's a pro-am circuit. Generally, we do have pro only events, um, but you've got to shoot the numbers to, to perform. Um, and that'll stand people in really good stead. Um, and if you are a really good golfer, then you'll shoot lots of low numbers and you'll be get really good at shooting low numbers. So it can only help. On a on a on a I suppose a selfish side of things, it'll help the region, you know, to have somebody that's come through and it'll help the PGA circuit, you know. It's only getting stronger and stronger and finances are only getting better in the region. Um I wouldn't see why not, why why people shouldn't do. There, there, there's no reason why they shouldn't do it through this way. You'll certainly learn a lot about yourself, where you fit, where you want to do, if you want to do or not. Um, and if you do, all I can say is listen, over the years I've seen guys pretend to try and get on tour and i've said and the, someone came to me and said yeah i do a bit of this in the winter and i do a bit of that in the winter no you should be a golf pro in the winter and you should be professional sorry, you should be a professional golfer in the winter and in the summer so whenever you're not competing you're practicing you're training you're getting better at being a professional golfer you're not taking a side job to pay for it one week will pay for 10 years of a side job if you can make it Mm. Um, too many guys I think when they say I'm going to be a professional golfer at whatever level they end up getting this part time job to pay for it or they don't want to go into debt or they don't want to do you know if you're going to make it you're going to make it you get one good year on the European tour look at Tom this year nearly a million million quid that's going to pay for your 80 pound bank you know your overdraft or whatever your 80 grand overdraft pretty quickly Um, so if you're going to go for it go for it and I think the region is a really good starting point for it, to be honest. Are there many young players coming through? I know, uh, like, let's, let's most recently look at, like, Liam Grattan, who who won the Pro-Am pro event over in Abu Dhabi. Um, he, mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a great example, actually, I find, of someone who's courting both sides quite well. He obviously competed a quite a good bit on the Clutch Pro Tour, as well mm -hmm. as played very, very well this season on the PGA circuit, from what I was following. Are there many, many young players like him coming through? I don't think so, to be honest now, no. Um, and that's a bit of a worry as well, is that but, but maybe then a lot of the guys that would have gone through the region are going straight to trying to make it and to go on these on a clutch to a clutch pro and things. Maybe they're going taking a different route and then deciding to come back into the PGA industry later in life, perhaps. Um but Liam's a prime, you know, prime example. If I if Liam came to me, I'd say, Liam, just if I don't actually is Liam qualified? I'm not hundred percent sure whether he's fully qualified. He's a system pro at the moment. System pro at the moment. Well, if he's still, as soon as he qualifies, quit, stop working, stop doing your hours in the shop or whatever you're doing in the K club and go and play golf and go and practice and practice and practice and practice because, you know, he's a great guy and he's got great talent and he should just go and play if he wants to go and do it and do it wholeheartedly. 
don't be uh you know taking up your 20, 20 hours or whatever it may be just to pay the bills go and play golf um but i don't think there's that many i do think it was more it was more normal to go through the pga route before, you know when i did it and when demi mcgrain did it and um than it is now i think people do go straight from being amateur to be professional um but then are they really giving it their all as i, as I keep mentioning yeah it's it's a funny one it's it's a, an aspect of irish golf that i i keep a keen eye on because it's just mm. very very interesting for your own golf for your own competitiveness does the i know i'll say obviously a couple of years away you're not quite knocking on it just yet but uh the seniors tour is that any uh drawn any appeal to you the yeah the closer i'm getting the more it is yes the competitive juices are still there i still enjoy playing um since i took on the the head pro role here at spa golf club i, I didn't play much at the beginning of the season uh, i did say to the members i'm going to go and play in the irish championship and i finish if i finish in the top three i'm going to play in everything to the end of the season because it'll give me a chance for, for next year and i'd managed to finish second so um that got me uh that got me thinking about playing a bit more and yeah listen i'm 40 whatever now um four years or whatever it is and yeah um the closer I get, the more it's in, more it's appealing to me. Yeah, because it's as much as I love spending time at home with the family and my wife and things. It's not every week of the year being on the seniors tour. You know, mm. uh, love being here at Spa Golf Club as well. So it's something that I could probably maybe manage the manage the two things together. Um, it would give me uh, good satisfaction to play seniors tour golf and come back to to a role here at Spa Golf Club. Yeah. You uh, gave yourself a pretty small bracket there for finishing the top three. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah, not, not a nice high tar high target for you. I think most people would, or at least I I would have been like, oh, I forget like top ten or something like that. That'd be that'd be a good kind of barometer for me. But that's that's a high bar. It's an elite elite bar you set. Yeah, I mean, I every time I play in the region, I believe I I I can win every event I go and play, and I'm not going to do. I know that I'm not stupid, but I believe I can win. And going and playing certainly a three round event in Belmullet and and Carn Golf Club was, um, gave me a better chance because it's three rounds. Um, I'm more of a marathon golfer than I am a sprint. Um, and top three, yeah, I thought that was a pretty fair um thing to aim for. Really, if I could, if I could keep the ball on the golf course, I'm really good at keeping it in play, and that's a golf course that suits my type of golf uh links golf course growing up i've been play off growing up playing the game of golf in newcastle here um and listen you've got to aim high don't you there's no point going there like i've just said and thinking fifth's a good result or whatever no it's not i wanted to win i wanted to beat david you know and uh he wanted to beat me so um finishing second after the golf that the lack of golf that i played was was a good re a good reply to to what i thought i could achieve and then the Irish Open returns to Royal County Down again. Is that something that you're going to try and try and get earn a spot yeah, for, qualify for? I'm in the playoffs now, the PGA playoffs, which are in uh, Cyprus, I believe, in April time. I think it is, or whenever it is after Christmas. Um, there's also the PGA Cup next year as well, which is the same week as the Irish Open in the Royal County Down as well. So that's another goal as well. So, in an ideal situation, I have to. I'd like the dilemma of which one do I pick. That's a good place to be, all right. Which is which would be the ideal place to be now, yeah. So obviously, if I if I do have that um, dilemma, then um, I would also have got other tour events to play in as well next year. But I played in a few last year, and uh, like we were having off air the conversation, the guys hit it a little further than I do these days. 
<laughs> and I don't mean 10 or 20 yards further either. I mean 30, 40, 50 yards further than I do. So um, playing regularly on the main tour now, I need to do. That's why the seniors tour sort of appeals to me. I've got four years to get back in shape and to put a bit of length on and get back in the gym and do all that stuff. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, going back to the dilemma, be a great dilemma, PJ Cup or Royal County down for an Irish Open at home. You played in the last PJ Cup. How was that week? How was that week for you? Oh, that was that was probably one of the best, the second best maybe golfing week of my life. It was, I was and it, again, I went with no expectations. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never played any amateur golf really in, in teams or anything like that. Um, so this was completely new to me, and I absolutely loved every minute of it. Um, yeah. I happened to play quite well. I only, I think, I got two and a half points out of the five points. I managed, I played all five sessions, um, which was a, which was tough physically. Uh, it's a long, tiring week, but it's it's yeah, it was fantastic. I loved every single minute of it. Um, I have to say now, uh, so I can only imagine how the guys feel when it's Ryder Cup week because mm. it's PGA Cup week. Ryder Cup is times fifty. You know what I mean? It's just different level. Um, yeah, PJ Cup was pretty cool, and and I'd like to go back to it. I'll be honest. Okay, interesting. So that that was third week in September will be a, yeah. an interesting one for you. What does uh was next year hold for you? What's twenty twenty four looking like? Looking not too far ahead. Yeah, well, listen. Main priority is to is to like we we're talking at the beginning to to get Spar Golf Club on the map a little more and to get a few more visitors and members here um to promote uh, all the things that we've got on here. That's. That's the my main focus. Um, I probably put playing to the back of a little bit until maybe February time, something like that, and then go hard at the practice before obviously the PGA playoffs. Generally, I'm a end of season good golfer rather than a beginning of the season, so I need to start a little earlier this next year in 2024. Um, but like I just said about having that dilemma of Irish Open or PGA Cup, I need to play well in April, so I need to start prior to April. So working back from September through to April, I need to start straight after Christmas, really. Um, but yeah, getting Spark Golf Club on the map, improving the facilities we've got to you, improving the member experience and visitor experience. Um, and then on a personal note, keep playing as well. I have done at the end of this season. Very nice. Well, listen, I'll make sure we uh, we head on up to Spa and we get a game in with yourself. And Yeah, perfect. Yeah, we'll do, we'll perfect. do a couple of videos or a podcast or something on the way as well. Great. Great. Simon, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate the chat. A pleasure. Thanks very much. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory.